bless the Lord however you want to bless them. Just bless them in your own way. Just go ahead and bless them. Bless them for his presence. Bless them for his peace. Bless them for his love. Oh, hallelujah. I want to just take a moment and spend some time on this text to continue to minister to us. This this place that I, I, I feel the Spirit has us is a place that some of us are fighting against because you don't want to let go. But I want to encourage you, in order for you to be free, you have to let go. You are holding on to what God has already set you free of. I hope you get this. I want you to understand that Jesus has set us free. But we lock ourselves back up in that same cage. You don't have to live like that anymore. You are free. I want to talk about and deal with the subject matter, the mind of the cross. In Philippians 2, verses 5 through 11, we've been spending the past few Sundays here and uh, a couple of more than that. And and what I want to highlight for us as you continue to read on this and meditate on this as this attitude, this mind you should have that was also in Christ Jesus. We talk about having a mind of humility, having a mind of a servant. Now we want to talk about the mind of the cross. But yet if you listen to what those words are, you'll see there's a common theme. The common theme, another vocabulary word is submission. Or another word is surrender. And, and so part of that is that action involves to submit and to surrender is to release. Is to let go of control. So though he was in the form of God, he thought it not robbery come in the, in the image of man. Being and, and said he humbled himself and came in the form of a servant or a slave. Y'all, y'all, y'all see that there? And, and, and coming in, in the home as a slave in the form of a human being. And, and so what it says, he thought it was not robbery. He thought it was not robbery to be, have equality with God, but to humble himself in the form of a servant, being made in the image of man, being obedient. Obedient, because somebody say obedient, unto death, even death on the cross. And then in verse 9, we see that, that shift. There's a shift there. There's a shift there. It says, therefore, y'all, y'all see that there? But we're not there yet. We need to first submit. And humble ourselves and understand what it means to have the mind of the cross. To help illustrate that for us, I'm going to read from Matthew, the 16th chapter, verses 24 to 26. uh, When Jesus was teaching his uh, disciples what it means to follow after him. 
And when we look at these principles that our Lord and Savior gives uh, to us through his word, look closely to some terminologies being used there. Allow God to illuminate and uh, enlighten you with something new that you might have missed it many times you've read or maybe heard uh, this verse, uh, these verses. Uh, verses 24 uh, to 28, Matthew 16, chapter says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways. Take up your cross. Can somebody say my cross? Can't take up somebody else's cross. You don't need to talk about somebody else's cross, but you need to take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. How many tell your neighbor, let it go? But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? You see, Jesus gives us three requirements to be a disciple. Three requirements. Uh, y'all see that there in the text? If y'all, y'all, y'all see those verbs there, I'm going to help you to see it for yourself in light. The three requirements. He says, and, and so you, follow, you find the three requirements after it says you follow. If you want to follow me, this is what's with your requirements. Your requirements are that you deny yourself. You give up your selfish ways. That's requirement number one. Can somebody say number one? I got to deny myself. I got to give up myself this way. That's requirement number one. Number two, y'all see that right there. He made it personal. You must pick up your own cross. Pick up your own cross. Requirement number two lets you know that you cannot skate through. You cannot slide through. You can say, I give up myself and hold on to some stuff, but you got to let go of stuff so you can carry your cross. I wish I had one more amen. Now, that you understand that in order for you to hold the cross, you got to let go of the stuff that's been blocking you all this time. Deny yourself. Pick up your cross. And then the last requirement is now you follow me. You follow me. The problem that we have in following Jesus is that we know the destination. We see it right there in verse 8. What's the destination? He was obedient. Obedient unto what? Death. But notice it did not stay just death. It says what? Death on the cross. The text for us does not really give it just due of what it expresses. It expresses to us that he died on the cross, but it's only one word being translated basically that's understand as crucifixion. And crucifixion is a word that describes the action of being sentenced to death to die on the cross as a criminal. Hmm. And we know Jesus is no criminal. But yet he was obedient to death on the cross. And so the mind of the cross reminds us the first requirement. What's the first requirement? Deny yourself. Have you denied yourself? 
or do you make it more about you? Do you understand that as we were being ministered through music about how, Lord, I want more of you, reminds us that we got to let go of the stuff we want and desire the things that he wants for us. God wants what's good and what's pleasant. We believe we want what's good and what's pleasant, but we get fooled. We, 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 we buy Folexes on the street thinking we got a good deal. To go to home and find out that the face falls apart as soon as you put the, the hand, the watch on your wrist. You went and got you a, a Gucci bag, found out that it was, it was fake Gucci. The G fell off as soon as you got in the car. We, we want stuff that makes us feel good that we get fooled by the messed up imitations. Be careful of imitations. I love you, but I won't die for you. Be careful of some imitations. Baby, you know I love you. Only love you tonight. I'm going to be with somebody else tomorrow night. Y'all quiet on me. You know I'm your boy because you got a ride. Let that ride be in the shop and don't call me. I won't be around. I'll be with somebody else that got a ride that I can, I can hang out with. We, we understand people move around because we are selfish and we want only what we can get from somebody else. Jesus is letting you know you can have that. If you really want that, you can have that, but you will lose your life. You will lose your life because you're trying to hold on to what already is dying. You, you understand how the illustration goes about the dog that's laying on the nail, that's hurting the dog. And everybody's wondering how come the dog has not moved. The owner says when it hurts him enough. Y'all quiet on me. When it hurts him enough, then he will move. That, that's how many of us get sick, that we know we sick, but it doesn't hurt us enough. I, I can still drive my car. I can still make it to work. I can still go places. But yet, here it is. Here's the qualifier. Let it be something you don't want to do. Oh, I'm sick. I don't feel well. I, I'm going to check myself into the dock. You've been sick three days, but came the day that you didn't want to do something. Is the day you got up and said, I'm sick. I'm ill. We, we, we are selfish to the extent we hurt ourselves instead of making ourselves better. Jesus says, I want to help you. I want to heal you. I, I want to show you what life looks like, and life looks like following me. And so if you want to follow me, here's some requirements to follow me. The first requirement is to deny yourself. That's the call of discipleship that he teaches us. Jesus gave this call to his disciples and let them understand that you cannot follow me and live for yourself. You have to deny yourself. Tell your neighbor, humility is letting God lead you. We have allowed humility to be something that is negative. To, to be humble, we think, is a negative action and do not look it in the position of something being proud to do for the glory of God. Here it is that if you humble yourself means that you don't have power, you don't have authority, and you just got to do it because you can't do something else. But yet, did not we just see Jesus who is God? Humble himself, 
So who has the authority? Who has all the power? Who showed the humility? And so you see, humility is not weakness. Humility is strength. It takes strength to lower yourself. It takes strength to humble yourself. And that's why we can't do it on our own because we are weak. But glory be to God by the power of the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit gives us the power that we can have long suffering. That we can have some patience and we can put up with other people's mess because it's the strength of God that gets in us to help us to love unconditionally. We understand the power of the Spirit is what helps us. But yet, the problem again is that we don't want to surrender. I, I remember this very vividly in my life that I didn't let anybody around me talk about my mama. And I wasn't feeling well in church. We were in the youth fellowship I was in the choir, like all the kids, you know, we were in the choir. I was feeling, I'm laying down in the choir, saying, little boy want to mess with me, going to say, yo mama. That's all he had to say, just yo mama. I didn't have to hear anything else. I turned around and let him know about his mama and what I'm going to do to him. I got in trouble. Let alone my mama talking to me, talking about, boy, why you acting up like that? Say, he was talking about you, mama. I said, that boy don't know me. I, I, I'm eight years old, y'all. I still remember this talk. Because my mom has let me know, you concerned about somebody that don't know me. He can't say anything to hurt me because he does not know me. Let me help somebody when I'm pointing out to us here that when God loves you, he will protect you. He doesn't need you to protect him. He already knows what he wants in you. So my mama wants her son to behave. He said, you don't need to lose out over them. I'm, I'm not losing any sleep over what they do or talking about me. My concern is your well-being. Do what I ask you to do. Didn't I tell you be good? <laughs> Didn't I tell you obey those over you? So while you acting like that, don't let that boy destroy. We need to be careful. The enemy wants to distract us to think that we can handle what God cannot handle, understanding that God got it under control. We allow other people to be our excuse for us to do what we wanted to do. Don't let people be your excuse for your sin. I heard someone say, ouch. I had a <laughs> yeah, we got to be careful that we want to blame somebody else because we did what we wanted to do in the first place. You got to deny yourself. So my mom reminded me that, Sam, you got to deny yourself. You, you think you are defending my honor, but you're only hurting me when you're doing these things because now that impacts me in a negative way, though you thought you were helping me. We need to be mindful. God wants what's best for us. And so we ought to do the things that benefit him and benefit his glory and that adds on to him and not take away from him. Humility is letting God lead your life. 
Jesus shows us humility for all creation by being humble in the image of a man. Y'all see that there in the text? That in the form of a human, in the form of a man, basically pointing out that he did not come as an angel. He didn't come as some other kind of being, but he came as his creation. God made them male and female. He came as the only begotten son of God to show us what humility looks like. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God. Obedience. So not only do we need to deny ourselves, we need to pick up our own cross. That's where we get the word obedience. Because when you pick up the cross, that's obedience. Tell your neighbor, the cross represents my obedience. Tell that to your neighbor one more time. The cross represents my obedience. So when I deny myself, I realize it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. For he died for me. He set me free. I was brought by a by the price of the blood of the Lamb. But blessed be the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Let the redeem of the Lord say so. I am glad that I've been washed by the blood of the Lamb. What can make me white as snow? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. I could just get one more amen. That's I'm glad that it was the blood. And so when I pick up the cross, it represents this to me. That I'm dead to this life and now living for him. But now the cross means different things to other people. When some see the cross, it just reminds them of a religious institution, a place where people go on Sunday. It reminds them of a place where they might be able to go to get help, but they don't get help spiritually, but they just want help physically. I, I, I go to those places that got crossed when I need some money. To help pay my bills. I, I go to the place with the cross when I need some food because they always got good food there. I, I go to the place of the cross if I need somebody to give me a ride. They just understand that that's the place. And so here's the beautiful thing. That's great that they know that the cross represents help. That they know that, yes, because we love Jesus, we are a place for you to come to receive help for your lives. That's part of building a, a better community. But in others, they, they see the cross. It says that it represents Jesus, our Lord and our Savior, who died on the cross for our sins and, and was buried in the grave and defeated death and rose on the third day. So you see how the cross shifts from those who have a relationship with him. That it goes from a place of, of need and help to a place that represents my worship, my adoration. But then the cross for Christ is something different because when he was looking at the cross, he was looking by a perspective of one condemned to death for a crime he did not commit. I don't know if you've ever been accused of something you have not done. I don't know if you received a punishment for something you have not done. But if you've ever been in that position, it's not a comfortable position. Because you tell them you do not do it, they call you a liar. Then that is even worse punishment than the punishment you received by they don't believe you when you tell them you did not do it. And then on top of that, you get the full blunt of the punishment, knowing you are innocent, knowing that you did not do it, but yet they treat you like a criminal anyway. Here it is, Jesus, who knew no sin, did no sin, did no wrong, is condemned to die. But look at this, look at this closely. It said he was obedient. 
What does that mean that he was obedient? It means is that he chose this. Tell your neighbor, Jesus chose this for me. See, Jesus says in John, the 10th chapter, when he talks about I am the good shepherd, he says, the father loves me because I sacrificed my life so I may take it up again. And that's something. I sacrificed my life because I know I can take it back again. He, Jesus told him that the Father loves me because I'm obedient unto death. I'm going to give up my life for his glory, for his people, because I know it's for their good. See, another thing about obedience that sometimes we forget is that we, we, we mention it, but we oftentimes do not illustrate it. Obedience means that I listen and I do what I heard. That's how we say that to our children, right? You don't hear me. Yes, I heard you, do. that's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying, did your ears work? I'm saying, I don't see the actions. Doing what my words said. I, I said, clean your room. You said you heard me, but I'm seeing a dirty room. Hello, somebody. I, I said that, wash the dishes. You said you heard me, but I see a dish full of dirty dishes, not clean dishes. Uh, matter of fact, I don't see any soap and any bubbles coming out of the sink. Matter of fact, I see you just did nothing. Here it is, that if I'm obeying God, I, I let the Lord, I obey you by how I live my life. We need to understand the mind of the cross has a mind of conversion. There's a change in the way we walk. There's a change in the way we talk. People to see difference in us from now that we know Christ. There should be a change. Just like how you know there's a change when you get your new car. How that car drives straight. It doesn't go off to the left or to the right. Anybody, am I talking to anybody here? You say, this car alignment is right. It, it, look, look, no hands. <laughs> it's going straight. I've never seen that before. I forgot what that felt like. Look, look, I can roll the windows down. I don't hear no. <laughs> Got good brakes on this car. Sounds pretty good. I don't have to walk around my car twice before I get make sure the air didn't leak out. And I'll talk to somebody. See, when we get something new, we understand we can walk and drive with confidence, feeling great that this vehicle is better than the old vehicle. There's to be a change in our lives. And when people see us, they can see there's something different about you. Just like when you get a new car, you want everybody to get that new car smell. You know how you let them know it's a new car. They got the new car smell. Smell, smell that. Matter of fact, Americans like the new car smell so much they sell that as an air freshener. That's something specific in our culture. In other cultures, in Japan, I was reading an article, they don't like the new car smell. They prefer a different smell in their car, something that we like that so it becomes part of our culture, right? When you get a new car, like, smell the new car smell. Look, you still got plastic on the car mats, right? Trying to keep it as clean as you can till that first rain comes, then you don't care anymore. We want to walk around and be new. To know that our God has changed us. We should be desperate now. Here's, a, here's what I want to encourage you about your conversion. Your conversion is not a one-day thing. It's a, a, a minute-by-minute, hour-by-hour thing. That we got to stay in prayer. We got to stay in his word. We got to meditate on it. That's why we have to read his word so you can have it in you. Just like when you eat something. If you eat something, that fuel is there for some time period to give you the energy and the strength you need to make it. 
That's why when marathoners don't have water on every block, they have it strategically to help them out because they get too much. They'll get a cramp, but they know they're going to need it at this moment, at this time, because you're already hydrated before the race begins. You don't need it then. You're good to go. So the, the next one is a soft spot now strategically where you'll come around the bend. You can get that water splashing and keep on running. Same situation. We need to understand that there's times in my life I got to make sure I have some time to spend quality gossip for refreshment some encouragement so that I can keep on running this race. So set that time. It might be in the afternoon. It might be during lunch. It might be your break before lunch. Whatever it is, you need to set that time. Lord, I need to spend this refreshment time with you. Set that on your calendar. You can do that right now on your phone. If you got the app out, go ahead and just put that down. I need a reminder. Remind myself at 12.15 to spend some time with God. Some of you say, that's my time. I'm just getting off work. So I'm going to say, Lord, maybe at 3 p.m. I need to make that a time for you. Some of you say, that's the time my kids get home from school. I know I need it. So let me make it at 2 o'clock before they walk through that door that I get some time with God. Obedience is serving the Father for his glory. It's hearing his word and obeying his word. It's allowing the spirit of legion that he was obedient to death on the cross. So the requirements, deny yourself, pick up your cross, your own cross, and follow me. Jesus says he was obe- the text says he was obedient and obedient to death on the cross. We have to die to living for this world and be alive for living for him. Jesus wants us to live for his glory and to live for his purpose. Jesus shows us that if you want to save your life, you have to give up your life. What does a man profit to gain the whole world but loseth his soul? So do you have your mind on the cross? What is it that you need to let go of? What is it that you need to be dead to? Make the cross your symbol of your submission to the will of God. Here's the parallel. Christ is our submission to the cross. Christ, when he submitted to the cross, to the present time of him going through his crucifixion, the cross was Romans' way to say you submit and you are under our law. The cross in the Roman time where Christ's punishment sold to everyone else, that you are subject to our law. We now carrying our cross so that, Lord, I'm subject to your will. I'm subject to your will, to your word. You have all authority. Christ, in carrying his own cross, embraced his own chastisement and suffering for our redemption. We now embrace the resurrection. Y'all quiet on. We embrace the resurrection and the power of our redemption and the anticipation of him coming back again. If I had uh, some church people in this house, I would have got me some amen. Let me, let me ask this question. Uh, do you know he's coming back again? All right, all right, y'all. I'm going to praise the Lord. I was going, ooh, ooh, glory be to God. So when we carry the cross, we, we are saying, Lord, I, I'm submitting to you, but I embrace that I've been forgiven. I've been redeemed. I've been set free. And, Lord, I can't wait till you come back again. 
And we do this with our eyes ahead knowing that death is going to come. Now, we may not be carried down the aisle and laid in state, but we're going to die. And what I want to highlight, highlight to you is this, that this earth won't make it. There's an expiration date that we don't know about. People make billboards and say it's at this time. But yet, man does not know the day nor the hour. But the time is coming that it'll go ding and it'll all be over. And we will be changed to be like him. And so when death comes, but we're going to find out that we have life. And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Remember the story of Lazarus? He said to them that I am the life and the resurrection. Though you believe in me, though you may die, yet you shall live. And so here's the issue that we can know that as I'm carrying the cross, though I'm dead to the world, my, and my anticipation and my eyes are towards the finish line to know that once I reach whatever it is, the end point of this earthly journey, I'm going to begin a new journey with God over in glory and be forever hello and never goodbye. So where I got my mind on the cross, I got I got my mind on hope. I got my mind on strength. I got my mind on peace. Knowing that, God, if I can just hold on until my change has come, if I can just trust you just a little bit longer, good God from Zion, I'm so glad that God will let you know you're not by yourself. I, you don't have to carry any burden. Just carry your own cross. And you're going to find that Jesus says, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Oh, Lord, I'm so glad that God wants to set us free. And so to be free in Christ, hallelujah, is to be free indeed. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. I want to encourage you to know that as you have carried, decided to deny yourself and carry your own cross and to follow Christ, there's going to be some hard days. There's going to be some sad days. There might be some sleepless nights. But yet you can be reminded that as long as I got this cross, it reminds me that my Lord is an overcomer. I was at one more witness. It, it reminds me that he's coming back again. So I, I'm not by myself. The cross reminds me that he is with me. He is in me. And I can call on the name of Jesus. And things start to shift. Things start to change in my life. Change start to be loosened. I realize I got liberty. I get set free. Good God from Zion. May the Lord bless you real good. On your way home, you ought to tell your neighbor, I'm so glad I got the cross. Because at the cross, at the cross, I first saw the light. Aren't you glad that we have liberty? We have strength. So humility is not weakness, but it is power. So have the mind of Christ. Have your mind on the cross. And say, Lord, I deny myself. I pick up my cross. And I follow you. I follow you because you're...